Welcome back to The Noble Broker. I'm your host, Jonathan Lickstein. And remember, on The Noble Broker, we welcome producers and professionals from the real estate industry because they are more than what you see on HGTV. We're more than pretty people who sell pretty houses. We have feelings, we have passions, we have families, we have things that keep us ticking every single day. And today I'm welcoming a true professional and friend of mine, Christine Citrano. Welcome, Christine. Thank you, Jonathan. It's a pleasure to be here. Christine is from the Naples area mm -hmm. and has come through a long, a long pathway in her career. So I want to first start out with Christine. Tell us a little bit about your business and then okay. we're going to jump right in. All right. Well, as you said, I'm from the uh, Naples market. I have been selling residential real estate in the Naples market since 2005. So I have been up and down and up and down on this real estate roller coaster. Enjoyed most of those moments like I do enjoy most roller coaster rides. Um, and over the course of being a realtor and helping my customers, I have also gotten involved with this industry, which you and I both love so much. Jump feet first. Yeah, absolutely feet first. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm diving in anyway. And um, I've had the most amazing experiences because of that, because of that willingness to just be involved. And my involvement in this industry has brought to me so many skills that I've then been able to take back to my business and help my customers, as well as be able to share that with other agents, which I love to do. Well, fantastic. That's one of the reasons I asked you to be here today is your outlook, not on, only on life, but on the industry mm -hmm. and how you can impact people from within the profession in addition to consumers. So 2005, you got into the industry. Yes. Anything, uh, what I find reflecting back and something we learned on the journey where we got to know each other is when you reflect back on your life circumstances or why you made decisions in life, you figure out why you got there and then can evolve the way you think and make decisions in the future. Mm -hmm. So looking back to 2005, something happened, someone said something, you saw something on TV, something happened that got you to flip that switch and say, I'm going to get my real estate license and this is a pathway I'm going down. What happened? Well, truthfully, I had teenage children and for years before that, I had been in the um, enviable position of being able to be a stay-at-home mom. So I did not work. And I was a volunteer mom. I, volunteering is in my blood. And I volunteered with my kids' schools and with the communities that we lived in. And so when we came to Naples, which was in 2003, I thought, oh, I could just do the same thing here, not taking into consideration it's a completely different area. And my children are teenagers. They don't really want me around anymore. So I thought, okay, I gotta do something. What can I do? And I always, I, had, I personally bought and sold a lot of houses as I moved across the country. So I had personal hands-on experience working with realtors, some good, some not so good. And I thought, this is a business I wanna get into because it's going to allow me to have the flexibility to still more or less be available for my kids when they need me. Um, and it's the type of career that I can take beyond them. And this is something that I think you can do almost forever. And that was very appealing to me. And again, looking back at the realtors that I had personally experienced working with, I had some, I had one woman in particular who was a stellar agent and 
she was someone who I really modeled myself after. Um, although the ones who weren't so great, I got lessons from them as well as what to do and what not to do. You learn the positive, you learn the negative. Absolutely, absolutely. So, 2005 was an interesting time to come into our industry. It was very interesting. I look back because that was a boom market, boom, boom, boom in, in um, Southwest Florida. And I look back and I realize I was so green behind the ears so much business slipped through my hands that I just wasn't even aware. But you learned that way. I did, I did. It, I mean, I had great opportunities. I remember one time, someone in my office, very experienced, very successful agent, wanted to host an open house at this beautiful multi-million dollar home that they had. And it was, it was on the street where they were doing a, a parade of homes. I said, I'll do that. I probably had 300 people, and I'm not even kidding, walk through that open house. Well, I didn't put it all together because I'm still so naive, and I had every single one of them sign in, <laughs> a sign-in sheet, <laughs> um, which they did. They thought, this, oh, this is Parade of Homes. This is what we do. This is what you're supposed to do. And, uh, and so I had a kind of a jump start on building my data bank of potential prospects because of that experience. Now, some of those people did go on to buy things without me, which is fine. But I think the lesson for me was when you start in this business especially, you, you need to know what you're doing, but don't be afraid to start something because you're not sure you know what you're doing. I love that. There, there's, there's, I always say there's two types of people who come into this industry. Someone who must shadow and follow and learn everything before they feel comfortable kind of stepping in and the second person can take an idea and make it their own. Right. So you learn enough to go take a step. Mm -hmm. And yes. then if you hit another roadblock, learn how to do it there, but have that trusted person. Yes. You can pick up the phone and call. That's where a mentor, a broker. coach, an involved <laughs> broker comes into place. Yes. Uh, it, it really, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But as you've gone through your career, 2005, we had that boom, mm -hmm. right? Yes. So you went through the 2008 explosion mm -hmm. and had this entire roller coaster coming back up to what we saw during the worldwide pandemic. Yeah. And here we are again. Right. So what did you learn from 2008 and going through that as a fairly new agent still with three years under your belt, going all the way forward, what have you done differently now that you didn't know to do back in 2008? You know, I think one of the things that's interesting is I heard a lot of, you should do this, you should do this, don't do this, do this, you know, from experienced agents. And it, for me, I felt like I needed to do everything they said to do. But the truth is, is that you are, we are all still individual, unique people, and we have our own places of comfort. And so taking this advice, as well-meaning as it was, and deciding to pick and choose really where do I feel most comfortable you know somebody else may feel really comfortable door knocking going door to door to door that is not my comfort zone I would feel so uncomfortable I would never do it. quite frankly I don't want somebody coming to my door I'm not gonna answer it and so I thought I'm not gonna do that I don't care if it's successful that's great it's successful you for you but that's not my comfort zone that's not what I'm gonna do so I think finding the things that I'm comfortable doing that I can feel I'm bringing my most authentic self to, that's what I chose to do. And it's interesting because I was a solo independent agent. I mean, I work under a broker, but I was an independent agent. And then in 2019, I was approached by a dear friend of mine, worked for the same company, known her for 10 plus years. 
and she suggested that we form a partnership together. Okay. And so I gave it some consideration. I talked to some advisors who are in partners or manage partners and said, what do you think about this? What are the pros and cons? What should I not do? What should I do? And at the end of the day, we decided to go ahead and do this together. We drafted a contract. This is how we're going to work our partnership, including if we decide to dissolve this, this is how we're going to handle that. That was That's a huge thing. And we have just gone forward together from the get-go, 50-50. Just, we are in it together. It's not your customers and my customers. They're our customers. It's interesting to hear how two independently strong personalities Mm -hmm. can sacrifice and come together for having a piece of something bigger instead Mm -hmm. of all of something less. Yes, yeah. That's an interesting piece. when, When coming together in this partnership, and this is a great piece, we've only touched once in my previous episodes on on teams mm-hmm. and team structures but kind of working through that what is something important that you need to have in a partner or a team a business partner whether it's just the two of you or you're planning on bringing on agents what is something important that you should think about that you might not commonly think about I don't know if you wouldn't think about this but you absolutely have to think about personally you have to think what are what are your strengths? What are you bringing to the equation? What are your weaknesses? And hopefully what you find, if it's in my situation, a one-on-one, what you find is that, and this is true, what I'm strong in, my partner isn't necessarily as strong in, and what she's strong in, I'm not necessarily as strong in. And so together, we strike a really good balance. There are certain things that she is responsible for, and there are certain things that I am responsible for, playing to our strengths. At the same time, you've got to trust that person. You, and that was, that was absolutely key for me. Um, when we got together as partners, I had a, already a couple of listings. They weren't pending or anything, but I already had a couple of listings. And, sh- and one of the things that I decided to do was, as soon as we became formal partners, I immediately changed it so she was the co-listing agent. I just said, we are in this together starting from the beginning. This is what I'm bringing. Forget what, I, what I'm counting on before. No. I'm jumping in. We're doing this together. Here's yeah. my show of trust. Yes. Everything I already have on the books is now everything we have on the books. And that was important for me to express to her in that way, I trust you. I trust this partnership. Did you both bring similar pieces to the table or was it more on one side or the other? At that time, she did not have any listings. Um, so with that, with regard to that, it was really me pulling that to the table. Mm-hmm. But I think that giving her that sense of trust and giving her something that she could really bite into it was huge. really stoked her as well. And so all of a sudden, she kind of found her um, sense of direction so that we could then together really take off. Now, <laughs> ironically, we formed a partnership in November of 2019, mm-hmm. and of course, the following year was COVID. So, come you know what, February, March, all of a sudden there are no open houses, and you know your customers are not in your car with you, and you know the dynamics change tremendously. Dramatically. And a lot of people, a lot of people in our business were really freaking out. How am I going to do business? And I said to my partner, Jeanette, I said, you know what, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do virtual open houses. We're going to go on Facebook Live and just do, we're not, we, we're not inviting the public into this open house. We're going to them virtually. 
And so we took all the listings we had and every Sunday we would do a different one. And then we ran out of our listings. So we we're like, okay, we got to keep doing this. We reached out to our associates and we said, we're willing to do these virtual open houses for your listing. We had certain uh, qualifications for what that property right. should look like. We would then preview the property in advance and then we'd go in and we were shooting two virtual houses every Sunday. We just oh. do one, go in, film it, bam, move on to the next one. We did it on Facebook Live. We would post that they were coming and it was a way for us to remain engaged in the business in keeping busy and having that to do. And it was funny, one of, uh, several of our associates said, um, I understand you guys do virtual open houses and I'd really like to hire you guys to do this. What do you charge? Like almost providing a service. Right. No, I said, well, Side income. we actually don't charge anything. And then to my partner, I'm like, maybe we should charge something. But we didn't. We didn't charge I anything. I mean, I assume because your routine, you were a team with it, you had it down to a science and how you were doing the production, yes. the anticipation marketing, yes. the actual day of and making it very accessible. I'm sure you built up a little bit of a following with that. We did. So we there did. was a desire to have you guys do this and kind of subscribe to your program. Yeah. Right? It was great. It was, um, I think... For, for me personally, it just, it kept me, as I said before, it really kept me mentally and emotionally engaged in the business um, versus just sitting at home and scrolling through, you know, the MLS or, or you know, having those conversations with customers when everybody is unsure what's really happening and what to do. There was a sense of being stagnant, I think. I felt like a lot of people stuck their head in the mud mm -hmm. and they kind of shut down. They didn't know what to think, where things were going to go, or even what to say to their customers, mm -hmm. especially of active transactions when everything shut down. Mm -hmm. I yeah. mean, it's, what was your priority number one when things got shut down? My priority number one was still to market my properties. I mean, I had an obligation with those customers to get that property sold no matter what. Mm -hmm. And so we just had to figure out different ways to do it. You know, we couldn't do the open houses, um, but that didn't prevent us from doing other forms of marketing as far as advertising and doing mail doing more mailings, which I we don't generally do that much. We rely more on uh, social media and email versus, you know, Uncle Sam putting a stamp on it. but. Going back to that as a way to get into somebody's, get in front of somebody's eyeballs, um, but that was to me that was our number one priority was getting those, getting those properties sold. I love how the skills that you you learn and you you come to refine as a realtor, as a producing realtor who interacts and manages relationships with your customers mm -hmm. buying and selling homes. It's amazing how much that correlates to what you think is getting off the street and becoming a broker. So when things shut down, you just told me, I'm, I still have a priority of maintaining the relationship with my customers, selling the listings, marketing the listings, servicing them, making them feel comfortable. Yes. My priority number one was speaking to the agents, making sure they were set up, they were comfortable, still marketing They're the your company. clients, your customers. It's, right? There's so much that correlates between the two of those. And you think that you're kind of giving up the rush of the sale to become a broker. It's not our sale and our relationships are just different people. Right different scenarios yeah. I love that yeah yeah I mean I think you just I my approach is always to just be as open and flexible as possible um, to not be so rigid in how things are done that you are closing off the opportunity to do something better and more for your customer for yourself for your partner if that's the case um, just you know keep it open and, and think outside the box try something crazy why not 
my 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 uh, a dear friend of mine used to always say to me whenever I was faced with a really what I felt was a tough decision think about what's the worst that can happen I mean really the worst, worst that can scenario. happen and if you think you can live with that then you know what to do I apply that principle to just about everything I do I can't tell you how uh, <laughs> how serious I'm taking that that statement I mean, right it's now like, <laughs> that's the worst that can happen can I deal with that yeah actually I think I can okay then I know what to do then let's go yeah so um, we, we got serious there going pandemic yes. pandemic route for yes. a moment and, and, and how much that impacted everybody's lives. But let's go to the other side because real estate's fun. Yes, yes. Real estate is interesting. Real estate teaches you life lessons when it makes you want to pull your hair out <laughs> or makes you want to drop by the bar there for, for a little happy hour. Either way. But um, what is a situation? Give me, walk me through something you've learned from or you've laughed from throughout your career in buying and selling homes with consumers? Okay, well, I work with both buyers and sellers, and I would say my business is 50-50. Um, I had this one customer um, a couple of years ago. uh, Several years ago, I had sold this gentleman, he and his wife, uh, a second home down in the Naples market. Bought this really sweet condo near downtown. They loved it. Two years later, they call me up and they say, Christine, we want to sell the condo. We want to buy something else. I'm like, okay, let's go ahead and get that done. And we go ahead and draft up the, you know, I help them, you know, get the place ready. And then we draft up the listing. We start marketing it. And within 24 hours, we had an offer on the property, which was fantastic. fantastic. Um, Didn't work out, unfortunately. We couldn't come to terms. And so, you know. Jeanette and I continue to market the property, and then about 10 days into the listing, the the uh, customer calls me up and uh, tells me that he and his wife would like to meet with me in person at my office to discuss the property. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Pretty much, I'm 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 like, um, so is there anything specific that you'd like to talk about? We'll discuss it at the at our meeting. And I'm like, okay, duh, duh, duh. <laughs> so I go to the meeting, I, you know, I set it up and they come in and the first thing they say to me is, we want to know how do we, how do we, how do we cancel this terminate? How do we terminate this listing with you? I'm like, <laughs> I said, okay, well, yes, you can terminate the listing. Of course, your listing is with my broker, not with me, so I need to bring my broker in. But before we do that, let's go ahead and talk about what's going on. Why? Why, Why? are you want to do this? I mean, it, what it really came down to, and this this is the lesson. The lesson is, um, and I've said this so many times to people who I am mentoring, and that is most most conflicts that happen between people, whether it's professional relationships or personal relationships, most conflicts come down to a failure to communicate. Uh, Just not really hearing and seeing and listening to one another. And I think that for, for me the lesson was it was so important that I sit there and give them an opportunity to express why they weren't happy and then be able to express to them all that I was doing, all that Jeanette and I were doing for them behind the scenes that they didn't necessarily see. And at the end of the day, we were able to keep the listing and they were satisfied and we did end up going ahead and selling it. But they needed to have that opportunity to talk to me and for them it was important that it be done face to face. So I gave them that opportunity to just say, this is what we want from you and we don't feel we're getting it. 
and for me then to be able to say I hear you I apologize this is what I am doing but going forward I'll tweak it a little bit so it's more satisfying to you so that you were able to convey and learn from that experience that I'm going to do XYZ but I need to make sure that I'm portraying that and telling them I'm doing XYZ right. so I don't have to repeat this whole cycle again and make yes. them have consumers that feel that I'm not properly representing their interest and, and reaching their ultimate goal of selling the home. Exactly, exactly. Which you ended up doing anyway. Yes, yes, yes. So, but it was a life lesson learned, right? Yes. Just business operations. Sometimes we get so busy and we forget about getting that little piece out and that every single person, it's the first time they're doing it. And that is so important and, and I have to remind myself of that all the time. We do this for a living. We know the ins and the outs and all of the stuff that goes into it. Our customers may not know all of that. We, you we know, take it's, it for granted almost. You know, it's, 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 my daughter works in the retail industry and when she has conversations with me, she drops acronyms all the time in the conversation. I have no idea what she's <laughs> talking about because that's her industry lingo and she's really familiar with it. And I think that similar thing can happen to us in the real estate business. We know everything that, that we're doing behind the scenes. We know every box that we need to be checking to make sure that the, the deal is running smoothly. It's important that we let our customers know that we're, we're taking care of that too. I love it. Let's play acronym bingo. Uh -oh. Maybe not acronym bingo, okay. but you just brought that up. So you could speak with a doctor. Doctor will have their own language and how they communicate. Yes. But yes. they have to have that bedside manner to explain that to simple folk like us. Yes. So real estate, same thing. Mm -hmm. We think we know and we assume what is an automatic and the consumer doesn't know that they're from the outside. So you could be having a conversation with your daughter. I'm not going to put you on the spot. It's okay. I'm getting nervous. I'm like, think of one quick. <laughs> I was I was messing with you. I had a few in mind, but we're okay. not going to go there. Right. Um, but it, it's just to be able to relate to your audience and consider who you are, whether it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation like we're having today, mm -hmm. or if you're speaking to a room of 500 people. Understanding your audience helps you deliver a more effective message. No doubt. No doubt. No, 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 no matter what what audience that you're talking to. You know, you and I both volunteer for our industry and have opportunities to talk to essentially our peers, um, but maybe we br we're talking in a, about a subject that they may not have as much experience or knowledge about. And I think it's important that we remember that. They're still our peers, but we need to be able to convey to them on, on a level that they're gonna understand so that they can have a takeaway. So something, um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, and again, I didn't tell you about this one either. Uh -oh. We don't really do a lot of prep for these. Okay. <laughs> so I like to just throw things at you. Um, when we initially met, we went through Florida Realtors Leadership Academy. Yes. Great experience. Yes, yes. Some of our closest people that are our, our peers, that are our friends, we're getting ready to meet up with them shortly. Yes. Um, in this beautiful hotel setting behind us. But going through that, when we first started, I remember how wow. you were in speaking to your peers and it was a very it was a fairly small group what were we 20 25 people? i don't even think that maybe 15. 15 some we were low small. groups yeah. less than two dozen yes. right so we go in there and you look at that room and it was it was a little bit intimidating yeah to They're get all up type there. a people <laughs> right and through that evolution of that course in that academy and going forward today and the positions that you've had to take on or excuse me i need to rephrase that not that you've had to take on positions that you have chosen to take on and, and dominate, in my opinion, oh. um, have taken you through this curriculum, this career path 
that have turned you into the woman you are today, who I truly respect, and that is why I've asked you to be on there. Um, but what is something that you've learned along the way that someone who, in your position, has been a stay-at-home mom, wants to get back to work, wants to be confident and, and confident of their capabilities, what is something that you can tell them would be a great first step or something you have to think about or make a conscious effort of to get through that gate? Uh, that's a very good question. It's a long question. It is a long question. <laughs> and I may just answer part of that. But I think, I think the important thing to realize is that when, if you are having, if you're saying to yourself, I want to get more involved in whatever it is, and you sign up for something, and you go to an event or you go to a meeting and you're new and maybe you know one person, maybe you know no one. If you sincerely want to be involved, then you have to step forward. You cannot sit back and wait for somebody to see you and pull you in. You have to be a little bit more of an advocate for yourself. You have to be the one who, who says, I'm here, what can I do to help? I always envision, and I try to make this parallel with people when I'm having similar conversations with them, it's like when, you, when you're having a dinner party. Most people come into your house when you're having a dinner party, they find you, usually in the kitchen, and they'll say, what can I do to help? It happens almost universally, and the reason why I think is because it gives people something to do, to break the ice of them first having walked into that room. That, that house for dinner or that meeting, they want to feel involved. But it has to come from them. They have to be the one who initiates that, what can I do to help? Who, who does the ask, the volunteer? Who does the forward. ask? Because if they sit back and with this, well, I showed up, so you come to me, they're probably gonna walk away feeling I didn't get anything out of that. That's a really interesting uh, parallel right there. Walking into a house party, mm -hmm. offering assistance, is the same way you should conduct yourself in a place of work, yes. in a business meeting, a conference, um, or just going to a networking event. Yes. And maybe it's not, how can I help, but it's, hi, I'm so-and-so, Be Starting. Be the initiator. The breaking of the ice. Yeah, and, and, and when you do that, um, make sure that you actually ask questions of people because one of the things, one of the best ways to make an impression on someone is to give them an opportunity to talk. People love to talk about themselves and what they're doing. Especially in this industry. Especially <laughs> in this industry. But I think, you know, you start off with introducing yourself and asking them a question and then you just sit back and you let them talk just listen. and tell you and you listen and you prompt, but you, you're, you're really letting them show you and they're going to walk away going, wow, that Jonathan, what a great guy. Even they may they not know about nothing themselves. about you. All they did was talk about themselves. But they love you. What's that saying? God gave you two ears and one mouth. Use them appropriately. Use or... them appropriately. <laughs> yeah, and that's, it's, your mouth starts it off, but then let your ears do the work. Yeah. And absorb and absorb. Yes, and yeah. that, that gives you a, a feeling of who your audience is, an ability to connect. Mm -hmm. um, coming up and, and starting in sales industries before real estate, um, I learned the five steps, the five steps to a sale. And there's many different ways to spin that. Real estate coaches do it one way. Product sales, e-commerce does it another way, right? right? And the first step, no matter what you're selling, has always been a meet and greet. And that's the similarity across all platforms I've ever seen. Yeah. It's meet the person that you're going to work with and get to know them, build a rapport, find out what makes them tick, 
find the angle where you can then connect with them, mm -hmm. either commiserate or champion whatever they are interested in or what appeals to them. When I used to go on listing appointments, I'd love to hear your strategy of when you walk into a listing appointment, how you handle this. I'm a little bit of a, an emotional manipulator when it came to listing appointments. Oh, so, I want to hear your strategy. <laughs> so I'd walk in the front door. Before I walked in, I'd actually walk around the outside of the house, and I would hope that they would catch me. The hope was to start the conversation outside, mm. where I'm not going to have somebody formally force me to sit down and go direct into a conversation, because right. I'm not ready. Yeah. I want to walk around the outside of the house. If they came out as planned, it would be, I'm sorry, can I help you? Yes, I'm Jonathan, we have an appointment. But I was doing my research and just taking a look of what I need to know about the outside of your home. And just, I'm intrigued that he's already learning. I haven't given him the listing yet. Why does he want to know about my house, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But even more impactful, go inside. Before we sit down, take me through the home, explain, why did you buy this house? Right. And as you're going through, I'm looking. Pictures, trophies, books. Yep anything you can see what's my angle going to be to connect with this person yes right but the most impactful thing I did and this is a hint I, I don't tell a lot of people outside of my little mentorship group I would take showing instructions to the other homes on the market in the neighborhood when the pricing question came up I said hold that thought you have 15 minutes yes let's go see what your competition would be Excellent. compare your home to theirs and see where we need to be. Right. So you'll see what was on sitting on the market, what the presentation is like of that home. If something just hit the market, what the presentation is of that home. And if you're lucky enough, maybe a pending listing to compare all three. And in the end, they felt like you were kind of on their side. Right. And you're in this together and almost compelled because somebody did something outside of what any other agent is gonna go there and do. Mm -hmm. Sit down, I do this, I do that, I'm gonna sell your home, you can get this, Well, and I think the one word in what you just said that is, it can be a deal killer, is I. I do this, I'm gonna do this, I, 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 I. It's, 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 I'm, I know that that uh, I know that there are agents who do that because these are the things they're going to do or mm -hmm. they're intending to. Well, it's natural without guidance. It's but I feel like when I go on a listing appointment, my job really is to, of course, see the property. I want to see it with my own eyes, um, and I and at, like you do or did, I also would say, what prompted you to buy this house? Tell me what makes this. What's your favorite thing about this property? What's the one thing that once we sell it, you're going to miss the most? It's, Things a, it's like the that. same thing that will appeal to a new buyer, though. Absolutely. That gives you your point right there. Absolutely. But the, the, is to get your customer, your prospect, to tell you their story about that house. Because what you're doing there, just like, like when you're walking through the house and picking up these clues about the various things that they may mm -hmm. be interested in, you are, you are building a sense of trust with that person. Wow, this person really sees me. They really understand what is driving me to sell this house, for example. And once you have that initial sense of trust, you can almost not fail. I mean, you know, they want you to succeed. It becomes more of a partnership where you're you're in this together. Your ultimate goal is aligned, and they feel that same way. Mm -hmm. um, some agents do that by being direct. Mm -hmm. Some agents do that through just showing their, their production. 
not necessarily the production, but the involvement that they've had in production and the network they've created within their community. Right. It's kind of where I was going with that. Yeah. Uh, but one way or another, you establish a level of trust, and then no matter when they sell that house or how, you're going to be doing it together. Right. And I and what that I actually do say to my customers, we're in this together. This is a partnership. We together are going to be selling this house. And I always make references. Okay, what we're going to do is. So I want them to feel this sense of inclusion. They're not just pushing it onto me and then hoping that I'm doing Stepping my back. job, right? Or calling you into your office. Or calling me into my <laughs> office and saying, I don't know what you're doing, so therefore I don't want you anymore. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I want them to know and I want them to be engaged. I want them to feel as though they, because ultimately they are making the decisions. Right. And so I want them to feel like I'm empowering them with the information that I have to make those decisions that are best for them. All right, so we're gonna do, we mentioned briefly about reflection. Yes. We're gonna do a point of reflection right here. Okay. So if you, Christine Citrano in 2023, could tell yourself one thing in 2005 when you got your real estate license, mm -hmm. what would that be? What would that be? Other than buy property in 2008 <laughs> right. when the prices <laughs> went down. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. You're gonna you're gonna dominate. One way or the other, yeah. you're gonna come through and you're gonna be successful, find yeah. your way. I think that that is that is what I would tell myself. So no matter where you are when you make a decision, as long as you buy into it and you follow through, everything will work out and you're gonna be just fine. Yes. That's no bull. That's no bull. Thanks for coming, Christine. Oh, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you.